0: Welcome to The Crystal Payne Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mom of six kids, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Pain Show. I am really honored and have been looking forward to this interview for quite some time because the woman that I'm going to interview today has deeply impacted my life. And it was one of those things where years ago I read her book and didn't even realize how much it impacted my life until now, kind of looking back and seeing how God used it to plant a lot of seeds that have ended up blooming into our family being really involved in ministry in South Africa and also foster parents and now adopting. And I am just so grateful, Katie, for how you have allowed God to use you in ways that are Far beyond what you could ever dream or imagine, but you've been faithful to step out in obedience. And so, my guest today is none other than Katie Davis Majors. You might know her from Kisses from Katie, and that was your first book, correct? And she has a brand new book that just came out this week called Safe All Along Trading Our Fears and Anxieties for God's Unshakable Peace. And it is packed with so much. Encouragement and inspiration. And I'm excited about this conversation. But Katie, before we get into that, I would love for you to just take a minute to tell us a little bit about yourself and your family.
1: Sure. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited too. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll try to make a long story short, but I moved over to Uganda. Um, on what I thought was going to be a one week mis- or a one year mission trip for a gap year when I was 18 years old and my, my mom and I had actually been on a shorter trip for a couple of weeks before then I had made some friends there and had agreed to come back and help them for a year in their orphanage, just volunteering to help take care of the kids and to help teach a little bit of a kindergarten and preschool program they had going on, um, And I just absolutely fell in love with Uganda and the people and the culture there. I saw obviously just huge needs and huge poverty and started asking myself like, what could I do to meet some of these needs around me? Started sending a couple of kids to school. School is really expensive in Uganda, and so there were a lot of young people in the community I was living in that were unable to afford school and were actually at risk of being placed in the orphanage because their families just couldn't afford their schooling, their food, their medical care. They couldn't afford to take care of them, and that was really devastating to me, and so um, I started paying for a couple little girls to go to school, and then as I shared with my parents and just friends from back in the States, and they were kind of blown away by how inexpensive it was comparatively to support a child in our community in Uganda. So people wanted, wanted to join in. And um, so I ended up forming a nonprofit called Amazima Ministries. Amazima is the Luganda word for truth. And I just, I wanted um, these kids to know the truth of who they were, that they were created in God's image, that they were beautiful, that they were valuable, and also to know the truth of the world and expand their worldview through education. So I started that nonprofit about 15 years ago now, and I continued to live in Uganda for the next 15 years. I met my husband in Uganda. I um, began the process of of fostering our 13 daughters, who my husband and I eventually adopted. So we have 13 adopted daughters. And then we also had two biological children while we were still living in Uganda. So yeah, Uganda is where I spent kind of all my formative years of young adulthood, got married, grew my family. About a year and a half ago, um, our entire family moved back to the Mm -hmm. United States. Well, back for me. It wasn't back for most of my family. All my kids were born there but we'd had some of our older children start to go to college in the United States and things had been really super challenging with COVID as far as traveling back and Mm -hmm. forth and having some kids here already in university and us still living there with some of our kids. And there were lots of different factors that played into it, but ultimately about a year and a half ago, we found ourselves here on what we thought was going to be a three week trip. And we felt that God was asking us to stay, um, And so we made the choice to stay in the U.S. initially thinking like, okay, maybe six months. And then at the six-month mark, we said, okay, we think it's supposed to be a year. And now we've been here a year and a half, and we are just kind of holding it open-handed. I get that question a lot, like, are you going back? And um, we've been able to visit many times. uh, The ministry that I founded, I still work with and for Amazima, and we have amazing, amazing Local leadership in Uganda, and so being here, I've gotten to still participate in that a little bit over Zoom. But I've also been able to be a bit more active in just fundraising and development of the organization on this side. But um, God has really used it to teach me uh, just to trust Him more and to walk day by day, um, and not have to know a plan for when or if we we might be back there. Mm.
0: Well, I think that that just really goes along with what your book is about, of trading our fears and anxieties mm-hmm. for God's unshakable peace. And you're having to live that out like yes. on a daily basis because yeah. you don't know. You don't have this 5, 10, 15-year plan, and you're just really walking by faith. And I think that that's probably, from at least my vantage point, been something that has been your life of just really stepping out in faith. Of I was thinking, you know, anytime you go on a week-long trip, maybe you better be careful because it seems... Like like sometimes you get, you end up, you know, God's like, no, this is not just a week. But I'd love for you because you, I know that so many people have heard your story and probably kind of look up to you as like mm. this really brave, courageous woman. And, and in your book, you share really openly about struggling with anxiety. And, you know, I I love is that you talk about The truth is that the anxiety had probably been there for a very long time, but for years I had been able to mask it with my favorite addiction, busyness. And I thought that that's really powerful. And that's also really vulnerable for you to share that. Because I think a lot of times we would say, well, the things that you're doing, it's so good and it's so important and all of that. But to recognize, no, actually, sometimes we're masking with good, something that actually we need to work through and heal. So I'd love for you to just talk a little bit more about your journey with this, with anxiety, and what's that, what that has looked like for you.
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I think I am very good at staying busy and very good at just kind of uh, pushing through and powering through. And one thing that God has really taught me again and again over the last many years is just like. He is so much more concerned with who we are becoming mm. than with what we are doing. And I can so quickly fall prey to wanting to do and do and do and fix and fix and fix. And I'd, I'd say that's that's how I'm wired and that's how God made me and that's led to a lot of good. But sometimes I need to pause and step back and see if it is masking hurt or, or things that God would like to work on quietly behind the scenes in my own heart. And so um, for many years, I didn't, I would have said I didn't struggle with anxiety. And a lot of people have been surprised to hear me talk about it because you're right. They do think like, oh, you moved overseas. Wow, that's so brave. And you have all these kids. Whoa. Yeah. Um, but we had a couple really hard things happen in our family just back to back. I mean, it just felt like we couldn't catch a break and really difficult things happening Um, really, really close to home and really experiences where I was thinking like, okay, God, like, are you going to protect us? Are you going to come through for us here? And I think um, once I kind of wrestled through that and caught my breath, I was able to see how faithful God had been to us and how he had been good to us. And yet still it left me just in this state of feeling so anxious. And I think really um, anticipating more pain and just wanting to protect uh, my family, my kids, my loved ones from the pain that we had just walked through. And I think in a lot of ways, um, with the events of the last like three or four years, I think so many of us are there, right? We've lived um, both on a personal level and on a worldwide level with COVID and just all these different things like we have lived through the unknown. And so I think in a lot of ways that has taught us to anticipate and sometimes to fear The unknown that might be up ahead. And and without even realizing it, sometimes I think we are mentally preparing for what terrible thing is going to happen next. And we don't just experience that in our minds. We experience it in our hearts and in our whole bodies, and it impacts the way we live. And so I began to notice that my anxiety, whether or not I wanted to name it that, it was beginning to impact the way that I lived. It was drastically impacting my thought life and the way I could just create scenarios in my mind and be racing into the future, coming with all, coming up with all the possible fixes for a scenario that like hadn't even happened yet. And so, um, it's funny. I actually approached my uh, my publisher that I used on my last book, and I said, "Okay, I have this idea for a book that I want to write. Um, I want to talk about how we live in." God's peace, right? Because I believe that in his word, Jesus says, "I leave you peace." Paul writes about that God gives us a peace that passes understanding. And I'm going, "Okay, I'm reading this intellectually, I think I would say I believe it, but I'm not actually living as if I have a peace that passes understanding. I'm living out of a place of fear." And so I said like, "Okay, I want to write this book. Um, and had actually signed the contract before we made our unexpected move and then we moved and I I mean then I was anxious on a whole new level mm. that I had never experienced before because like I said so many of my formative adult years were in Uganda anything that like you learned to do in the context of being adult you know changing the oil in your car or <laughs> paying your water bill or just you know anything related to parenting or marriage, like I had learned to do all of that in a completely different context. And so being back here as an adult and as a married woman and as a mother, I mean, I felt like I was in a a foreign country. Mm -hmm. So I was then anxious all over again and went went actually back to my publishing team and was like, "Uh, I don't know. I don't think I could do it. Never mind. I don't think I can write this book. But I had a really good friend say to me, you know, sometimes— People don't want to learn from an expert. Sometimes they want to learn from someone who is like walking through it as well. And so, I mean, really this book Safe All Along is written from a place of me asking God these questions and asking, okay, Lord, show me what it means to walk in your peace when I do not feel peaceful and the world that I'm looking at around me does not seem peaceful at all. In fact, it seems increasingly more chaotic, and all I want to do is kind of rally my family in close and protect them. Um, And so how do I learn to walk in your peace? And I feel like God just began taking me on this journey and giving me really tangible examples and really tangible practices. But um, I'm definitely still not an expert. I'm definitely still always going back to these things that I feel like God has taught me and trying to learn more and more what he means when he says that we can walk in his peace.
0: Mm. And I think that, I was just thinking how that's so applicable. Both of us are in Nashville and with the shooting last week um, in school. I mean, just even this morning, I was driving my 13-year-old to school and I said to him, I said, what would you do? You know, and like, and just these things that as parents, you never really think that you're going to have to have these conversations with your children. and And I've really wrestled this, last week our children are in a small private school and just wrestling with you know that piece of trusting God and what does that actually look like how do i live that out how do i walk that out and sometimes i think you do you know you need to make decisions maybe change your decisions based upon that but i think also you know really not making decisions out of fear mm-hmm. and i'd love for you to speak to that speak to I know there are so many moms that I've talked to in this last week all over the country who they're struggling with just their their kids and just what it looks like to you know trust god with your children when it feels sometimes like the world is scary how do you how have you done that i know you've probably had to walk through a lot with uh, you know a lot of children as well as parenting in multiple countries, you know, there's been a lot. So how is, what does that look like for you? I mean,
1: even still, I'm right there with you. The hardest, I think the hardest thing I ever have to trust God with is my children, because of course I just, I love them so deeply and they mean the world to me. And, um, I just, I just can't imagine the grief of the families who lost children. And loved ones or even experienced that closely last week. And it does, of course, have the propensity to just like ramp up this fear and our desire for control. Mm -hmm. And I think we know as parents that we aren't in control of our kids, but man, when they're little, we just have the illusion that that we are, right? I mean, they still need our help with so much and we still get to protect them for so much. And it's been a wrestle for me. We have adult children now who have left our home, who've gone off to college or who are working. One of them's married. And I really thought maybe it was going to get easier (laughs) as they got older, but I still worry for them just as much. I still feel just as protective of them as I did when they were little babies. And... I don't even have the illusion of control anymore. When they were little, I at least felt like I could help them, probably more than I really could. Um, but now that they're out there as adults in this big, scary world and dealing with their own lives and their own hurts, I—it's so real to me that they really truly were never mine to begin with. And, you know, it sounds like such a cliche or such a platitude to say like, well, God, you know, loves them even more than you do. And we say that to each other because one, it is true. And two, it maybe makes me feel a little bit better, but I have had a hard time just really coming to terms with the fact that I am not in control of my own life or of theirs and um, surrendering them to the Lord has been a big part of my walk and a big part of this book. And I just, um, I think I'm learning even this last week to interrupt my own thought process, right? Paul says we can take every thought captive to God. And if I'm honest, like I do not take my thoughts captive. I sometimes let my thoughts rule the day and I can just let them spiral and spiral and spiral on what if this and what if that and how about this and how would I fix this and what if that happened? And really, um I think I'm still learning, not an expert, but I write about it in the book, just this idea of interrupting those worried thoughts and replacing them with something else. God doesn't ever tell us to just not be afraid. He tells us all the time in his word to not be afraid, but he doesn't end there. He always gives us something to replace that with. And often the next statement is, I am with you. Mm -hmm. And so learning to interrupt my thoughts and feelings of fear and replace that instead with, okay, God, you are with me. You are with me right now. You are with my child right now. If my child is here or if my child is out there in the world or if my child is at school, like I believe that God is with me and God is with them. And like no matter what we come up against in this world, no matter how terrible, God will continue to be with me. He will continue to be with my child. And sometimes the, the places of fear and the places of grief and the places of sorrow, they are giving us an opportunity to trust him more and to more deeply experience that he is with us. Another thing that has really, really helped me is to memorize scripture. And that could be just one verse of scripture that I replay over and over and over and over again in my head or an entire psalm. And I've started really to memorize a lot more scripture and even to teach my kids. To memorize scripture because again, when I'm having these worried thoughts and when my mind is filled with anxiety, I can't, I have something, I I don't have to just tell myself, stop thinking that. Because mm. for me, that doesn't work. If I tell myself, stop thinking about that, I'll probably think about it even more. Mm. But if I have something to immediately switch my mind to and I can start repeating God's promises to myself out loud the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. My kids and I have been memorizing Psalm 23, just that picture of God as a loving father, as a shepherd who takes care of us. My mind starts thinking about something else, and I can feel my body. I can feel my heart rate slow. I can feel myself start to experience peace. And nothing around me has changed, The world is not less scary. My circumstance isn't different, but my heart and my mind are focused on him instead of focused on everything that's going around, Mm. going wrong out here.
0: Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. If you've heard me talk at all over the last few years, you know that I went through a season where I had very severe seasonal allergies and it took me a while to figure out what was triggering it and it was debilitating. If you've ever suffered from this, I actually had my polyps got really swollen in my nose and then I got chronic rhinitis so I could not smell out of my nose. And not only that, but I would have these really awful headaches, the kind that just kept me from being able to enjoy my life. And I started going to an ENT and one of the things that he recommended was Claritin D. And so for a time period, I took Claritin and it was such a help to me. I am a living testament to how well it works. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. So if you've ever suffered from seasonal allergies, if you can relate to kind of some of the things that I have experienced and you want some relief, They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Amoir makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Aumar, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for new-to-use styles. Now, I mentioned on the podcast recently that I have been pregnant or breastfeeding for four and a half years, and that season of my life came to a close recently, and I was like, I forgot, I can wear normal clothes again that don't need to be breastfeeding friendly or constantly changing in sizes with a postpartum body. And so now I'm left with trying to figure out, well, what do I wear? What is my style I can't even remember. And styles have changed so much in the last few years. And so I've been having fun experimenting with different types of clothing. And I love that armoire has allowed me to try some different styles of jeans and kind of step outside my comfort zone and figure out what I love, what works for my body type, and to not have spent money on things that I was like, "Mm, actually, this doesn't work after I wore it a few times and realized I don't Like it. And so it's been a great opportunity for me to try out some new things and help me to define my personal style. And I also love that the style quiz, the different suggestions that they gave after I took the style quiz it was right in line with what I would want to wear. And so I have just loved this service and I would love for you to get to try it out and get a great deal. Right now, my listeners can give amoir a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit amwar.style forward slash crystal. That is amwar.style.com. A R M O I R E dot style slash crystal to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. I love how in the book you talk a lot, you get practical, you know, you talk about these practices. And so, could you tell us? I love just giving people tangible ways. So, The worry or the fear is spinning out. They're feeling the anxiety. So you've talked about um, interrupting your thoughts. And I assume that would just look like literally stopping and replacing. Uh Um, So tell, tell us what that, like walk us through a situation, what that would look like very just like step by step. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I do want, I, I say this a lot. Um, and I, I try to say it often, but just, I do want to kind of interrupt us for a minute and just say that I do like, I do see a counselor. I do take medication for my anxiety. I would never want for anyone listening to this today to think, Oh, this is some kind of fix all. And if I just, do these steps, I won't feel anxious anymore. I think we're all longing for a fix-all, and I, I wish that I had that, but I know that that healing is only possible through the Lord, and He uses a lot of different avenues. And in my own life, He has been really gracious and kind to use therapy and medication and really good friends and community and some of these practices that I talk about in the book, and it's been kind of all of them that God is using to bring me on this journey of healing. And so just always want to be quick to say, if you need that kind of help in your anxiety, you are not alone in that. And I really believe that there is no shame in that. God gives us lots and lots of tools that we can use. And so mine has been a combination. But yeah, as far as interrupting my thoughts, I mean, like I do this last night in the shower, there was a situation in my day where I felt like maybe I said the wrong thing to a person. I thought, oh, what if she took it this way? And what if I hurt her feelings? And what if this? And what if that causes that? And I started having a follow-up conversation with her in my head, right? Hopefully, we all do this. And I'm not the only person who's in the shower at night, like, having imaginary, like, rehaving the conversation I should have had and then having the conversation I will have next time I see her. Um, and I, I literally just told myself, stop. This isn't producing anything. Who does God say that you are? Mm -hmm. Who does God say that He is? And started talking myself through Scripture. Went back to Psalm 23 because that's the one we're on this week and reminded myself of who God is and how He loves me. Another thing that's helped me is just to think of my time with God as— a conversation and a dialogue instead of, I realize so often my time with God can become a monologue, Mm. (laughs) just me talking and talking and talking and talking. But um, I've gotten into the habit of asking God questions Mm. like I would a close friend um, and just asking him, hey, what do you think about this? What do you have to say? about this. And so instead of, in my mind, kind of trying to hash out the next conversation I'll have with the person who I may have, you know, I probably didn't even hurt her feelings, but maybe I did. And that's enough to bother me for many days or weeks. Um, And so just to ask God, like, how do you think I should approach her next time? And just wait in the silence and see if anything comes up in my heart or in my mind. And I do notice that the more I spend time in His Word, and the more I spend time around wise friends who give me the counsel from His Word, the more quickly Scripture comes to my mind in those moments when I'm asking Him questions and I see how I could apply it. Um, I talk in safe all along about the practices of serving in our community, becoming others-focused, because that helps my mind. Kind of, it kind of helps take my mind off of my own problems, and my own heartache, and focus on entering into someone else's. I, um, I talk about forgiveness, both giving forgiveness and receiving forgiveness, and that being a way that we um, invite our hearts into this place of peace that God promises us. And then several other like really practical things, you know, saying no to some things. I notice um, this didn't feel as hard in Uganda. We lived in a really tiny community. We could walk everywhere. We knew like the one guy at the grocery store by name. And we went there once a week to get our groceries, you know, and there we would bump into our many other friends who were also getting their groceries, just really, really small. And so it felt a lot less busy. And if our children were involved in activities, they could walk to them in our community. So then when we moved to the States, we were living kind of in a suburb and everything was really spread out, you know, kind of a standard 15 to 20 minute drive to get to anything that anybody wanted to be involved in. And I wanted to be involved. Like we wanted to find our people and have our community and get involved in a church and be in a small group and have the kids be in sports and theater and cheer and all these different things that they wanted to participate in. And they were all good things. But I felt like, again, my anxiety just rose with the idea of having to be in all these different places and having to get there on time and the pace of life felt so quick. And so one of the practices I talk about is just like getting really honest about our to-do lists and looking at our calendars and saying, okay, I might have to say no to some really good things so that I can say yes to the very most important things. And for me, and for our family that is a rhythm of time together and eating meals around our table and i felt like in saying yes to things that were not bad we were saying no to the things that were ultimately the most important and so um yeah i go i go through a lot of step by step practices that god showed me over the last year and a half that honestly i think have probably helped me survive the transition Um, but I do think have also helped me cultivate more of a sense of his peace in my heart, but also in my home.
0: Piggybacking off of you talking about saying no, I was thinking, you know, as you're saying about scripture memory and taking time to pray and being God's word, there are a lot of women listening who are saying, I just really struggle with finding the time for that. Mm -hmm. I hear that so often. And, I'd love to hear what does that look like for you? How do you make the time because you have had a lot of children in your home yeah. and I think for a lot of people they'd feel like there's just there's no way that if I was living her life that I would be able to find time to, you know, read God's word and pray and meditate on scripture and memorize scripture. So what's that look like for you?
1: Yeah, you know, I think we have a lot more time than we think we have mm-hmm. and I will be the first to say that I have absolutely fallen prey to the temptation to believe that lie that, like, I just don't have time to be with God. I just don't have time to be with God. But I have tracked my screen time on my phone before, and it is alarming how much time I think that I don't have, that I must actually have. And so one thing that has been really helpful for me is to try to fill kind of those middle minutes of my day with God's Word in some capacity, the lock screen on my phone is the verse that I'm trying to memorize. So when I pick it up and I think, oh, I'll just scroll Instagram for a minute, I see that and I can remember, you know what, there's nothing wrong with scrolling Instagram and I could do that, but instead I want to focus on memorizing this verse. Um, same. I have an audio Bible app that I listen to in the car sometimes, or a couple of good Christian podcasts or things that are full of His Word so that I don't just use my car time. You know, I'm not just wasting that time. Um, I often keep a Bible in my purse so that if I'm in the doctor's office waiting or I'm in the carpool line waiting, whatever it is, um, to just try to fill up those little minutes that we have throughout the day with his word. I am really blessed. My husband is a morning person and I am not. And so I do, I am in a season right now where I do try to start my day. First thing in the word, I like to start my day that way. I notice how much it helps the day go so much more smoothly when I've had that time and I've been with Jesus in the morning. So I do really make an effort To read scripture first thing in the morning. I try to keep a journal kind of open in the spot where I know I'm going to sit every morning so that I can scratch down prayers and thoughts. And that helps me to have a consistent rhythm. But there have definitely been seasons of life where I don't have that time in the morning, especially having infants who didn't sleep well through the night. And you're like, we could get up, but like I could catch this extra hour of sleep while my husband has the kids, you know. And God has so much grace for that. And so then sometimes I've switched it to like, okay, I'll I'll read during nap time, or um. But I would, I mean, I would encourage people to try to set a time a consist to set aside a consistent time of day, and it doesn't have to be first thing in the morning. It, some people it probably works better. There were seasons of life when I was single where. I would put my kids to bed, I mean, religiously, every day at eight o'clock, never later than eight o'clock. And then from eight to nine, like that was my time with the Lord. Um, but having a consistent time carved out helps me to know to expect it. And I find that sometimes it's hard to get into that rhythm, but once I've gotten into it, it doesn't feel as inconvenient. You know, the first couple times it feels like, Oh, I could be doing something else or I need to be doing something else. But once I've been doing it consistently for a while, I just kind of expect it. Um, But there are definitely lots of pockets of time throughout our days that we just fill with other things. Um, And so I would encourage people just to find different creative ways to fill those times with God's word too.
0: And I think that what we spend our time on shows what's important to us. And, you know, I always say, if 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 it's important to you, you'll find the time usually. And it's so easy to say, well, I'm going to do it, but later in the day, you know? And so I think when we have that consistent set-aside time, if something is important to us, we're going to prioritize it and prioritize it on our schedule. So I love how you gave lots of different ideas. There's not just one way, but prioritizing it and saying, okay, God, how can I, you know, like you were talking about asking the question saying, how can I make this work? And then sometimes I think going to people close to us in our life and saying, give me some ideas, you know, how are you doing
1: this? What does this look like for you? I have a good group of girlfriends that we meet together every couple weeks. And it's, but we usually, we have a group text kind of going all the time throughout the weeks. And just even last night we were talking through like, okay, good Friday and Easter. What are some things you're doing with your kids? How are Mm -hmm. you being intentional with your kids? Um, But yeah, just having a couple good friends. I had a friend challenge me many years ago when I was nursing my first baby, um, and he, he, he always wanted to be rocked to sleep. And so I was always just kind of like scrolling, scrolling, scrolling on my phone. And she said, you know what? Um, she had a baby also. And she was like, you know what? I'm going to memorize scripture during that time instead. And so, you know, then we would check in with each other like, hey, how's it going? Have you been reading scripture? Have you been checking your email? You know, like what are you doing in that time when you're rocking your baby? But um, yeah, I would definitely recommend having some friends for accountability who can check-in. And even if you can memorize with somebody, that would be so fun. Well,
0: and I love that you brought up the community aspect for not only when it comes to um, that, but then also you were saying like with your anxiety. And I think just having community around us can be so powerful. And so I just encourage anyone listening who, if you're feeling like, you know, I, I'm i just struggling in my life right now, that sometimes when we just stay in our little you know, head where we're just thinking I'm the only one that's feeling Mm -hmm. like this, you know, but like you shared the story about um, psychoanalyzing the conversation with someone (laughs) else. Thank you for being honest to share that because I feel like that so many of us do that a lot. And so giving those tangible ways of, you know, to just say, stop. And what does God say about me? And so I just want to just everyone who is listening, what does God say about you? And is the time that you are just where your mind is kind of, you know, maybe you're driving in the car, you're washing dishes, you're taking a shower. Those times when your mind can just kind of, you know, you're mulling over your day or whatever, and you can just get stuck in worry or anxiety and just really paying attention to what are you paying attention to? And are you filling yourself up with the truth of God's Word? And are you reminding yourself of who God Says You Are. And I just really want to thank you so much for coming today and for being willing to share these powerful truths and for this book that I think is going to encourage so many people. Thank you for writing it in the midst of a very difficult season, writing it when you were having to live it and probably thinking, why am I writing this book? I (laughs) would rather not be writing this book, but for being honest and giving so many practical ways to really point people back to Jesus and to the truth and how to trade our fears and anxieties for God's unshakable peace. So thank you, Katie. Thank you just for the work that you're doing in the world and the difference that you're making. I just appreciate your life so much. And I'm excited for people to listen to this episode, but also to get a copy of your book, Safe All Along, trading our fears and anxieties for God's unshakable peace. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.